The Craft Food Classroom is a comprehensive and in-depth five-part online, go-at-your-own-pace course that will provide everything needed to build a thriving food business. Each module includes a video, presentation, workbook, and quiz. This course teaches students exactly what they need to know to succeed in the craft food industry and avoid pitfalls and costly mistakes. Learn more at thecentral.kitchen/classroom and you can use podcast21 at checkout for 10% off anytime. Again, that code is podcast21 for 10% off. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. All right. Hey, Laurel, welcome to the show. I appreciate you uh, jumping on and, uh, you know, being willing to share with us. So excited to be here. Thank you, Ken. All right. Well, let's, um, let's just kick it off the way we always do. Um, we just want to hear a quote, you know, something that inspires you and gets you out of bed in the morning. This is the first quote that popped into my head when you asked, and it is, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. I don't know if you know who, whose quote that is, but it is from John Lennon. And I don't, I think it could be, you know, couldn't be more true of kind of my life journey of what brought me to Nashville and my journey of what helped me start Daily Crunch Snacks. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I have heard that quote. I forgot that, that John Lennon had said it, um, but it, it's so true. It's so true. And I think it's true in my life, too. Um, let's uh, let's just hear just a little bit about your background. Um, you have a pretty, pretty interesting background, and we want to kind of hear how you found your way to CPG products. Yeah, so I um, I came from media strategy background where I worked at uh, for companies like Hasbro, Diageo, you know Bailey's Liqueur, and then for thirteen years I worked on the Unilever business. So Unilever has flagship brands like the Dove Campaign for Real Beauty. Mm-hmm. I worked also on Hellman's mayonnaise. I know more about mayonnaise than the average consumer should know about mayo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good I, part, party topic. Oh my gosh. I They had their 100-year Hellman's mayonnaise anniversary at the Unilever cafeteria like 10 years ago. And uh-huh. everything had mayonnaise in it, like the chocolate cake, the everything. Oh, I, and I just like went to town. I remember I had to go home early. I felt so sick. But um. <laughs> I uh, also worked on Lipton. Anyway, um, Unilever kind of gave me that backbone for consumer packaged goods and and had me kind of fall in love with consumer products. But um, I also kind of took a turn when my husband was like, guess what? I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And I thought at the time he was crazy. I loved working in the corporate world. I kind of love knowing what my expectation was with my salary, my benefits, you know, how you climb up the corporate ladder. I just 
you know, for me, it's like when I left work, I checked out and I had my separate life from work. Right. And I was like, I would never be an entrepreneur. Like that sounds crazy. And, um, his, he's in the real estate business and his business partners from Tennessee. And we moved to Tennessee to Nashville for his job mm-hmm. where I was working remote for Unilever when remote was not at that time, cool. Like it is now, you know, post COVID. Right. And it was really difficult for me to keep that momentum of working on this, working for this company that, you know, you touch hundreds of and and doing it remotely. So that's kind of where I started to take a shift to think about a career change. Okay. And and you're from uh, what? uh, New Jersey area. Is that right? Yeah, I am from northern New Jersey in a town called Creskill near Tenafly, Englewood. I like to say it's 10 miles from the George Washington Bridge, um, but that's where I grew up in the Northeast. Okay, got it. And then you lived in Brooklyn for a little bit? Yeah, I, I like to wait, say I made I started on the Upper East Side when I graduated college, and I slowly made my way down to you know the West Village and then jumped over to, to Brooklyn Heights. Which ironically, I'm going to Brooklyn tonight and staying in Brooklyn Heights at one of my friend's apartments as I get ready for the fancy food show. And I'm so excited to to go to my old stomping grounds tonight. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, um, you know, just a quick question about that. The um, you know, making your way over to Unilever, is that something that you always wanted to do? Was that your your first job out of college or you know, how how did you actually end up there? Yeah. Um, you know, I worked on other brands and accounts on the media strategy side, but Unilever was different. They, they really taught me the building blocks of kind of the different phases that you needed to launch a brand. Mm -hmm. And you could really implement these phases into a brand with like a thousand dollar budget or a brand with a hundred million dollar budget, like those budgets that we saw on, on Dove. Um, it, it's so important that you go through each phase and each step. So when we were getting ready to launch a new brand, like I helped bring Dove men plus care into the U S market on the media side. And, um, you have to go through all that pre-launch phase of your targeting work. Who is your target? understanding your consumer touch points, your consumer's journey to buy the product, that path to purchase, the costs, um, you know, what it, there's so much that goes into the pre-launch. I mean, I wasn't on the packaging side where I actually had to, you know, help work in the design of the packaging like it is on, you know, as an entrepreneur and daily crunch snacks. Right. But there's so many things that go into the pre-launch that if you don't get it right and take that time to work on it, you're going to fail as a brand when you launch. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about, you know, sort of that transition to, um, okay, you were at Unilever, um, you were maybe looking at a career change, you know, what, what led you to land on daily crunch snacks and, and maybe we should preface this with uh, just telling us a little bit about what daily crunch snacks is and what you guys sell. And then, and then tell us how you got to it. Yeah. So daily crunch snacks is a sprouted nut snack company. Um, I, it is um, basically my aunt Diane learned the process in India over 18 years ago where um, there's something different about her almonds, cashews, walnuts. Um, They're lighter, airier, crunchier than anything I ever tried in the U.S. market. And Diane was just gifting out snacks to friends and family. And I was just used to, whenever I saw her, she'd give us a bag of these nuts. And my family, we just devour them. Like we're not... I don't just eat like raw almonds. I, I usually go for this bag of Doritos, but there's something with her product that like tasted good, but it was also really satisfying. Um, it wasn't, I feel like there's so many products in the market that are so healthy, but like they kind of taste like air. And then I get hungry like an hour later. They le- they left me very kind of satisfied where I didn't feel like I just, you know, was still hungry. Um, and after a few years of working remotely for my job in New York, I 
you know, had my third child and I just realized that I needed to make a change for myself. And I think it's so important that whoever's in your life that like, you know, you kind of work with them to get that, um, you know, to, to work with them to get that, you know, approval. So at that time I said to my husband, I said, you know, I think I need to just like leave my corporate job. I don't know what my next step is. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to lead me to another corporate job or if I need to take some indefinite time off, but Mm -hmm. I I don't know what that is. And he, you know, he kind of gave me uh, his blessing, which was really important at that time. Yeah. Why do you, why do you think it was so Knowing that my husband kind of had my, so I think that, you know, we, we're a team and obviously, you know, at that time, like all of our health benefits and everything was going through me Mm -hmm. and I needed, you know, him to feel like, you know, knowing that there wasn't going to be that pressure on me of like, you need to get a job, you know, a job again, ASAP or this or that, where he was just kind of like, I get it. This is your time to take a break and really figure out what you want to do. And you don't know how long it's going to take and that's okay. And, and for him to be okay with that didn't make me feel kind of pigeonholed of that. I'm going to have to get another corporate job here in Nashville that maybe I wasn't going to be happy at or wasn't going to be the right fit for me. Because at the end of the day, if you don't do something that you enjoy, um, you know, why are you doing it? Um, So uh, it was the first time, Ken, in my career that I felt really vulnerable. I felt like so much of who I was identified with my job and my Mm -hmm. career. Everybody knows, you know, the Dove campaign for real beauty. It's me, you know, it's one of the um, most high known, you know, ad campaigns in the world that all of a sudden it's like, I didn't have anything to identify with. And I, um, I really needed to figure that out and do it the right way. And I, I did a a lot of career soul searching. You know, I did a lot of interviews here and started to whittle down kind of what I did like, what I didn't like. And I kept on going back to Diane's products. And I was like, she really has something here. She had a product that's not in the mainstream market and it's so different and it's so good. And I have this consumer package background. I called Diane, my aunt, uh, on a whim. I was like, Diane... I I know this may sound a little out there and it's okay to, to say no or, you know, but I love your products. Do you want to become business partners and launch your sprouted nut snacks as something as like a real packaged goods product in like the Whole Foods of the world? And she said, Laurel, I've been looking for a sign. Let's do this. <laughs> and it was like, it, it was amazing. And we, and then we immediately started our pre-launch phase. Yeah, that's awesome. I think you've touched on, on, on a couple of things that I just wanted to highlight. You know, first of all, you know, your point about um, needing your husband to be on board, you know, with, with yeah. you doing this, making this, this move and, and that um, starting a, a new business, you know, a venture like this, um, it's not just a, a part-time job. It ends up being a more than full-time job and it, it it's consuming and it's very, very hard, right? And and it's only made harder if you don't have the support of your spouse or your partner, you know, um, and if it causes friction, you know, in, in a marriage or or yeah. in a relationship. So it's just really important to, to make sure that you're on the same page. And I, and I felt that myself as I've started different businesses. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's critical. Cause yeah. it's just, if they're not, if they don't, if they're not on your side from the beginning, it's, it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so much stress and just energy that needs to go into this, this, this uh, new venture. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to do it without the support of your, of your spouse or partner. You're also talking about it all the time. Uh-huh, <laughs> so then myself, I'm like, I just can't, you know, when he's like, you know, my husband's giving me feedback and support and and if he was against it or didn't like my idea or didn't back me it would just yeah 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 i had a a situation where i'd started a business and then um uh you know it was taking a while to get going let's just say that and um you know i was exploring other options and uh you know 
I won't go into into too much detail, but one of the things that I realized um, when I told took that to my wife, and you know, she saw that I was I was looking to hit the eject button, is that she actually got a little upset with me and just sort of, are we committed to this or not? And and yeah. that made me realize that, like, you know, not only was she on board, you know, and like, you know, hundred percent committed to this, but in some ways, she was even more committed than I was, right? And, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I was always grateful to have that support because I know that um, I know other entrepreneurs who don't have that, you know, and, it, and I think it makes it really, really difficult to get something off the ground. Ken, you've raised such a good point. And for people listening, you know, there have been so many times where I've come home and I just feel like gutted. Maybe it's, you know, you put so much into launching a product or a brand. And my whole philosophy has always been two steps forward, one step back. You're not going to win at everything. You're going to have a lot of failures and you just got to keep on going. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you get a bunch of wins and it's so exciting. And then sometimes you get these setbacks. And for me to come home and just, you know, say to my husband, like, there are many times where I've said to him, why am I doing this? Like, should I really be doing this? And he kind of reassures me and tells me like, he sees that outside picture of like, where we've go- gone, how we've grown, you know, what our journey has been. And to have him be like, no, like, don't you see what you're doing is amazing. Don't you see like, and, and just getting his backing and having him be a cheerleader. It's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. The other point that I wanted to point out was how, how you actually searched for an idea. You know, it seems like, like you kind of stuck to what you knew and what was around you. Right. Um, you knew the CPG world already. You had that experience. Um, so it's not like you were trying to start a business in, in something that you just were not familiar with at all. You know, what would you say to other entrepreneurs who are, you know, interested in launching a CPG brand, you know, and are looking for, okay, what, what should that product be? You know, um, any lessons from, from the way that you did it? Yeah. I mean, you, you touch on another great point. So I was just at the Unify trade show at Mohegan Sun. And yes, I did play a game of poker. Um, <laughs> it was, um, I was speaking to the founder of Sweet Nothings. They have these incredible frozen smoothie lines. I'm sure I'm, I'm saying it incorrectly of their brand, but it's, it tastes great. Anyway, mm-hmm. You know, for him, he did it much differently than how we launched the 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 founder. He wanted to start a food brand, brand, and I think he said he looked at the trends and he worked with a food scientist to create something that went with, along with trends. So that was a very different approach than I took, where I loved a product that already existed that I felt like I could um, launch as a mainstream product. So my aunt Diane, who basically just made batches in her commercial kitchen for friends and family and started to grow this following, but she just put it in like a plastic bag with a twisty. But I was like, wow, she has this incredible product. Um, I didn't look at like, does this fit with certain trends that at the time I didn't know it was sprouted and it had all these additional health benefits of being more nutrient dense bioavailable and easier to digest um, if it is sprouted because it said something called phytic acid, which um, which contributes to making all those attributes. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, also there's the, the con that an almond is expensive. It's a commodity. And, um, you know, maybe some people who didn't have a product who want to go into CPG probably wouldn't use nuts as like their number one ingredient because it's expensive. So there's, there's many ways to kind of skin the cat of how you launch a product. But I think there's many variables to go into the success of a product. Um, I don't think it's just having like a brand that checks off all the trends. I think, you know, you have to know that can you survive past those trends when they change? Right. Um, is your packaging going to speak for itself? You know, I, I always look at Boom Chicka Pop. It's just popcorn in a bag, but their bag is so breakthrough. You know, I go to Costco and everybody has a freaking purple bag of that purple Boom Chicka Pop, but it tastes exactly the same of any other kettle corn. Maybe right. they've changed a few things out with their ingredients. Um, maybe they're too big to disagree with me on this, but, you know, I just... um. I think there's a lot of other variables that go into it, but 
you have to figure out kind of what's most important to you. But at the end of the day, like, you know, my old boss said this, who's now the CMO of Colgate. She's like, above all else, you have a fiduciary responsibility to your investors. Um, you can win all the awards. You can do all this other stuff. Um, but if you're not making money or if you don't see kind of an end road, uh, when I say making money, like that, let's be clear, like most CPG brands have a burn rate and aren't making money, but to, to get your margins in a place and have control of your fi- financials and see that, have that roadmap, like nothing else matters if you can't get that organized. Right. Right. And in fact, you can have the, the most worthwhile mission. Right, but uh, you won't be able to implement that mission or act on that mission if you can't make money with your company and stay in business. Right? Yeah. No. No, that's that's interesting, and and I think you bring up a good point. There's many ways to skin a cat, right? And and the your approach to it, um, where you you kind of looked at at um, these this product that had been in your life for a while and that you knew very well. Um, and stayed in an industry that you understood, uh, the CPG uh, industry, and kind of could leverage your background. You know, that's one approach. You know, when you were explaining um, that other brand and how they looked at trends and things like that, I actually thought of Amazon and sort of the Jeff yeah. Bezos story oh, yeah. of how famously he put together a spreadsheet of, you know, potential things that he could sell online. And he was very analytical about it, you know, yeah. and even the whole premise of launching Amazon was a huge trend that he saw and he saw some sort of growth number about how big the internet was, was, was getting and how fast it was growing. And that was what, what motivated him to do it. So, so you're right. I think there's many different ways to do this. There's no right or, you know, some people say, will say there is a right or wrong answer, but you know, for me personally, I needed to get behind a brand that I really believed in that really Mm -hmm. resonated with me because at the end of the day, especially when it comes to investors, like they need to believe not only in the brand, but also the people behind the brand. And, you know, my aunt Diane, um, going to get really kind of really personal for a second. So her son, George, um, struggled with mental health. And when he was 20 years old at the university of Michigan, he lost that battle and he, he commits suicide and it really kind of, um, shattered not only the campus and the community, but I think it brought a big light to like the stigma of mental health and how there's not enough talk about it. There's not, there's just not enough. And we knew from the beginning that if we were going to launch this brand, that that was going to be our mission. And the fact that I can get behind that, and that was something really personal to me. Um, I just felt like for me, I felt like this brand was lightning in a bottle. It had everything that I needed to launch it and believe in it. I felt like, you know, this category of the nut snack or salty snacks is a massive category in the United States. I felt like, you know, even though we have all these gut health benefits through our process, um, when we soak almonds in water, it actually swells in size, creating this hollow center, which, um, gives it this amazing crunch. So I felt like we had this big differentiator with this crunch you crave that's different from a raw roasted almond. So I felt like we can bring people back into this category. We can grow this category and we can actually get people to move away from maybe their current brand in this category to us. So I felt like we had that backing. Um, I felt like we have our mission and we have... um we have the right people. So I just was like, this is lightning in a bottle. This is the right time. And of course he launched in March, 2020 when COVID hit. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, um, yeah, just a word about your mission. You know, I'm I'm actually attending a funeral tomorrow of a friend who, you know, did something very similar, you know, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's really tough. And, and what, I, I guess what, what I love about that mission is that, you're actually talking about something that probably everybody listening to this, mm-hmm. you know, has somebody in their life where, where this has happened. Right. Um, it's just that when you look at the statistics, you know, this, there's no reason that there needs to be so much stigma around this. This is, this is a, a mental health issue that is, you know, that's touching pretty much everybody's lives. Right. And uh, we need to be willing to talk about it and help and, and uh, support each other um, through, through stuff like this. 
So I love it. Yeah. And I don't want to get like sidetracked, but I act, you know, not like I have enough time for this, but I hosted a mom's action um, to talk about gun sense with a neighbor uh, two weeks ago. And to my shock is, you know, someone from the state of Tennessee came to speak about this. The number one form of deaths of teens in the United States right now is suicide by guns. And I just feel like, you know, when it comes to suicide and mental health, there's just so much more we can do as a community, as a country. But at the end of the day, it has to feel authentic and real to us as a brand. And Diane's story is so moving and her and her surviving son and daughter and husband uh, helped start, start the support network on college campuses to advocate mental health awareness in college campuses. Then their um, surviving son, Sam, is actually hosting a town hall for the support network on June 7th. I don't know, 17th. I'm like, June 7th already passed. <laughs> um and this is what happens when you're flying from trade, to trade show to trade show. You don't know what day it is. Um, right. But, you know, I was just speaking to my team this morning and we were talking about our mental health mission and how, like, it's so critical that we are authentic to um, talking about mental health. But, at the, you know, at the same time, you know, when I worked on the Dove campaign, you know, it's soap. And, you know, their whole mission was, you know, changing the perception of beauty. So I do think that as a brand, you can talk about these things. You just have to do it the right way. Right. You know, and, and, you know, when I think about Dove and, and I actually think when I think about your product, it's, it's, you can have a really strong mission and that keeps you motivated and that, you know, helps you build a community and, and reach people. But at the end of the day, your product has also, also has to be really high quality and a fantastic product for the consumer. And, um, you know, when I think of Dove, I, I think of that, I think of very high quality soap, you know, that's, that, that's awesome on its own. And the mission uh, for me is like a bonus, right? Yeah. It's a great yeah. point. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk just a little bit about, you know, we've, we've mentioned, you know, some of these trade shows that you're going, uh, that you're going to, um, you know, I want to, you know, just kind of get your idea around, around trade shows in general and, and what, you know, brands, you know, maybe how they can approach it. And, you know, I guess there's probably more than one, you know, recipe for this, but just kind of how, how you guys are thinking about it and, and um, what you hope to accomplish when you go to a trade show. Yeah. I mean, I want to preface that there's a lot that I have to learn. Um, I just came off my second trade show ever. Well, non-virtual because we were doing all virtual trade shows. Mm -hmm. um, but my first in-person trade show was at Expo West. Um, but we recently hired um, a PR person and she brought to life a lot of what we can do with PR around trade shows. And I'd love to just convey some of those highlights for all those brands listening out there. Sure. Um, and, and before you do, what... Yeah. Um, so you hadn't attended other trade shows except virtually just, was it primarily because of COVID and that they yeah. just weren't being, it helped? was only because of COVID though. I was asked by um, expo to speak because we got so much out of the virtual show. I okay. spent all night like emailing the contacts that I got from the show. And that got us like, it landed us um, actually our biggest. So um, yes, we're in Meyer, but, the CVS health hubs. Um, I got, I learned about them from expo. I emailed them on the virtual platform uh -huh. and you know, our, the whole thing is like the squeaky wheel gets, gets it in the end. Like you can't just email someone once be like, Oh, they never emailed me back. Like you need to follow up. You need to do your due diligence. You need to figure out your priorities, but CVS uh, form this health hub of healthy snacks. And they now put us in 3000 stores. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations across the country against all the and that was from the virtual show. Um, mm. I don't think you can't expect them to just come to you. There's so much competition at these shows. You got to reach out. You got to follow up. And you have to know of the 100 people maybe you reach out to. Maybe you only want to maybe you only hear back from five, but that's okay. Those five are, you know, are, are typically like amazing contacts and amazing people to start a relationship with. And actually, I met um, um, this woman from Good Housekeeping at the virtual show. And I just emailed her yesterday and I said, are you going to be at fancy food? And she is. And she's like, I can't wait to come to your booth and see you in person. And we've just formed this relationship through the virtual show. And now to bring it into real life and meet these people in person um, is just that much better. 
That's great. That's great. A lot of the, the, the communication I hear about these virtual shows is that they're, oh, they're not as good. I don't know if it's you know even worth it. I don't know what I'm getting from it, but it's nice to hear the, you know, your experience has been totally different and it has absolutely been worthwhile. Yeah. I think some people were like, oh, I, I created a virtual booth and they'll just find me. And you can't ever expect that, especially as a startup brand when you, you know, you have these bigger brands with these bigger budgets who can just pay for all this extra advertising and bells and whistles. You really got to think out of the box. How can you differentiate yourself? Um, and, you know, I think also going into a show, you need to figure out, all right, what are my priorities? Like, you know, we're in the KE Elevate program. We're in the Unify um, Up Next program, but we're only in specific warehouses in the country. So mm-hmm. like, I don't want to start talking to all these stores where we're not in those warehouses because the truth is, is we really need to win at the, in these certain markets first before we can start expanding out more. So when we go into these trade shows, you know, I work with my team of like, all right, these are our target markets. These are, um, you know, our DCs. So, you know, if you meet someone and you, and we're in those, that DC already, you need to tell them like, Hey, we're already in this DC. We're ready to go. Um, it's that much quicker to execute and get things off the ground is grow that market in that DC. So it's really important that you have a strategy for these shows. But um, we put together a full press release for the Fancy Food Show um, this Sunday because we're yeah. launching our newest flavor, Cinnamon Java. Uh-huh. Um, and I would have never thought to put together a press release, but it was this PR person that I'm working with. And she's like, well, yeah, Let's we put together a press release. I'm going to put it, and then you know we're going to email it out to all of our contacts. And we've already got in all this press, and people have already posted about us through writing up this press release. Um, so um, I think that there's just a lot you can do to to figure out like what is your big excite exciting announcement around a show like. For us, it's our newest cinnamon java flavor. But, you know, for someone else, it could be a packaging size. It could be, there's so many different things. But what is that? What are those key things you want to communicate from the show? What are those takeaways where when someone goes to your booth and they leave, like, what, what are they leaving with? And for me and my team, you know, we make sure that we speak to everybody. It doesn't matter like who you are. If you're stopping by our booth, we want you to, we want, you know, we want you to know our story and we want to treat everybody the same. Um, But it's important that we get everybody's, you know, contact information so we can follow up with them and stay in touch because they're seeing so many brands that it's so easy for them to forget you and you need to do the follow up. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I love um, what you're saying about having a strategy around the show, you know, and whether that's that's virtual or not, or in, in real person. I, th- I think that that's really important. Can you touch just a little bit more about about um, the element of your strategy of winning in the DCs that you were already were in, um, and, and kind of just sort of the big picture around that for you know listeners who may not be familiar with that. Yeah. So. Uh- um, a DC or so when you get into a Kehi or a Unify or any um, distributor, you have to grow in certain areas of the country, and they have warehouses or DCs in those areas. Um, every time you open up a warehouse, it's going to cost you money, um, and if if you're not moving at a certain velocity in that warehouse then they're going to disco you, which means they're going to remove your product from that D- that DC. And they'll probably charge you for that as well. You want to make sure that, you know, if, if someone who has five stores wants to take you in, that's amazing. Every store is amazing. Mm-hmm. Every store is important, but um, five, maybe a five stores is not going to be enough to keep you open in that warehouse. Um, they're going to shut you down. So you have to think of, okay, where are our target consumers? What are our top cities, our markets? So for example, one of our top markets is um, the Chicago area. We had a lot of direct store markets already there, like Foxtrot. um, But then we won the Meyer account. 
an account like Meyer that has like 350 stores can support a warehouse on its own. But when you don't have such a big account like that, it's really important that you, you know, for us, we're going after the natural channel markets stores right now. Like that's our sweet spot. Right. Um, and it's really, you know, kind of like, all right, who else is a, you know, is a natural product store in, in the Chicago area that can pull from that DC. So they can all pull from the same warehouse and we can grow that and get that velocity and then feel confident that we're not going to have any of our SKUs discoed. So that's where, you know, now we have this great relationship with Plum Market. Um, Pete's Fresh Market is, you know, has like 12 stores in Chicago. They now pull out of that DC. Um, Dom's, which is an amazing store in Chicago. They only have one store, but it's such an, a critical flagship store. They pull now out of there. So it's like finding them and saying, hey, we're already in there. And you know, you you have to incentivize if you know that you're going to succeed in a store, it's not just about like getting a store. It's about, okay, this is an amazing store. And they're in a market that pulls from our warehouse. And we um, it's a win-win for everybody. And the more stores you start to get in a region, the more consumers sees you, the more touch points you get. So um, you want to really incentivize those stores to, to, to start, start with you. So for us, we have certain promotions, you know, or BOGOs, buy one, get one, or going to the, some of these trade shows like Unify or Kehi, where you do a special promotion. Um, but, you know, there's so much more to that, which is a whole other topic of kind of supporting the stores. It, it's, you know, we're at a point where we feel like we're in such a great number of stores. And now it's about winning in these stores and nurturing them and building that relationship and with the stores and the customers in our key markets. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, and, and thanks for going into that. I think I think it's uh, really educational to a lot of people. And, and you know, I think there's sort of the misconception of uh, once you get into a store, it's sort of, you know, the, the, the victory, you just, you just won. But really, there's much more that goes into it. And that now you've got to support that store um, and, and just yeah. stay in there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and look, everybody said that to me too, Ken. They're like, you know, and I didn't believe them at first. I'm like, we just got into the store. Yes. And no, it's, there's so much relationship building, trust. Um, you know, you, people don't know who you are and you want them to try you. For us, I really believe that when you try our products, you'll, you'll become a repeat purchaser. So trial is so important for us. And now that, thank goodness, Demos are open now at these stores where we can demo. People can try the product in a sample bag and then they can, you know, buy us with a coupon redemption in the store. So then they know where to find us. We feel like that's a great path to purchase. So now they know where we're in the store. They love our product and then they'll go back and buy us at full price. But you need to have a whole other strategy for when you go into store. And that's kind of like our, our priority right now. Like that is our biggest focus. We just hired this amazing company called Dirty Hands that is going to be helping us with a lot of our field marketing in stores, making sure that all our products is on shelf, the reordering, the promos. We just hired this incredible demo company for Chicago that's going to demo in all of these stores I just mentioned. So we're really excited just to kind of get that off the ground this summer. Okay. And um, was there anything specific that you were looking for in a, in a demo company um, that could help you with that? And then also with the field marketing, um, you know, what was sort of your criteria for, for um, you know, uh, partnering with, with these companies? Um, I have to be honest, like I'm still learning a lot about what I do and don't want, but mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think we've been taking advantage of couponing. So with our demos, we are going to have coupons available for people to just get off. But we also have um, these sample bags. That it's so important that when we we demo, they can take the whole bag with them. So if they can't try it at that point, they have it with them. But also just we need the demo company to understand like who we are as a brand and what differentiates us. You know, for us... We are a premium product. We are going to be more expensive from the blue diamonds and it's always going to be that way. But 
we need them to know that like we work with a sustainable almond farm. We're steam pasteurized almonds. We don't use chemicals on our almonds. We, um, we are starting a huge effort with our almond farm for bee pollination efforts. So they are a bee uh, friendly certified farm, which helps repollinate the bees. Um, and, you know, for them to kind of, for consumers to kind of know all about that we only use clean ingredients, there's nothing going to be on the back of the packaging that they can't pronounce, that it's just kind of clean, that, you know, our big differentiation of we are that crunch you crave made clean. So for consumers to be able to walk away and understand, okay, Daily Crunch, got it. Like their almonds are crunchier than raw roasted almonds. Okay. Their ingredients on here are all really clean. They have superfoods and all of their different flavors, you know, for our golden goodness flavor, we use turmeric and we use a pinch of black pepper to activate the uh, nutritional benefits of the turmeric, you know, things like that, that just really make us different. And it's really important that the demo teams are going to be able to convey that though. I have to say, Ken, you know, it starts with the people behind the brand. So we actually are going to be doing a demo tour ourselves um, in, in, in some of our key markets starting this summer, where we are personally going to be going to all these stores and doing kind of like a thank you demo <laughs> tour, um, uh-huh. where we kick off the demos ourselves. And then we pass the baton onto some of these demo companies. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And that's probably a good opportunity to, to build a relationship with each of those stores. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me just a little bit about the, the cinnamon Java flavor that you guys are launching. How did that come about? You know, like you mentioned uh, just briefly that it's kind of a unique combination, you know, so, so how did you decide on this flavor and, and uh, how did you decide to, I guess, yeah, move forward with it? Yeah. So I'm so excited about this flavor. Um, we soak almonds in coffee for um more than 24 hours and it's it's so it's this coffee infused almond Mm -hmm. but the thing is is like while you really get that incredible taste of the coffee and the almond together we needed to balance this out as a trail mix so we decided to make this a trail mix and we added um black currants coconut um flakes cinnamon, sea salt, and sprouted cashews to make it a trail mix. But what's really innovative about this flavor is that it it has this these coffee-infused almonds and that it's really only these clean ingredients that still make it paleo, gluten-free, keto, all of those kind of bells and whistles, but sure. also just tastes really good and is different than something that y- you can't get this type of flavor anywhere else. Like I haven't seen this flavor anywhere else in our competitive set. So for us, it's like, okay, we're sprouted, which differentiates us, but we really also need to have these innovative flavors to also just make us that much more different and compelling to the consumer and all their choices out there. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and, you, and you said that you're launching that. Is that available now or where could people it, find that? Um, so it is available now on Boxed, GoPuff, Amazon. Um, we are going to be doing a really special Amazon promotion with it for Amazon Prime Day. Um, but but we are officially kind of launching this and having this debut at the Fancy Food Show starting Sunday. And I'm just so excited to get people's feedback on this. So far, the feedback has been really receptive and um, have our consumers try a new flavor. And I hope they're as excited about it as we are. Okay, awesome. So um, one of the things that I think that you, you've kind of picked up at a couple of these shows and especially at the Unify show um, was just some of the, the trends that you see happening right now. And, and um, you know, I just wanted to take a minute and touch on that. Um, what, did, what did you learn? Yeah, it's so it's so interesting, Ken. Our um, CFO who lives in Connecticut met us at Mohegan Sun, and he just moved um, back to the U.S. from living in Nairobi, Kenya, for six years. Oh, cool! So he had very different sna- snacks and foods there. So I think coming back to the U.S., he's kind of reengaging with how much uh, trends have changed over the past six years. And when he was walking the show with me, he was like, "Oh my gosh, Laurel, like." everything is plant-based. Everything is all about, you know, keto and no sugar and this. And, you know, 
six years ago, that would have really differentiated a brand that you're plant-based and you're keto and this. And now it's not. Now it's just kind of a baseline that like, you, it's just a, it's, it's part of the checklist that you have to have. Um, and you have to be so much more than that to really differentiate yourself um, in this market. So uh, like, yeah, we're plant-based. Yeah, we're keto, but that's not what differentiates us. What differentiates us is that we have this patent pending four-day soak sprout dehydrate process that not only gives these health benefits of being gut healthy, but also gives us this texture, game-changing texture change where we're super crunchy. And that's kind of like our sweet spot that we're focusing on. Hmm. Um, There's so many brands I see, Ken, that like have these incredible stories. Like I I was listening to this podcast the other day about um, someone who actually used to work at Unilever who started this drink and she gave her pitch and I was like, wow, this product sounds amazing and it hydrates so well. I mean, I'm not going to name the product because I actually have a negative review about it, but um, Mm -hmm. I ordered it. I was so excited to try it and like it tasted like soap. And my husband was like, oh my gosh, this tastes like soap. (laughs) And I was like, it checks off all those bells and whistles of being healthy and this and that, but it doesn't taste good. So at the end of the day, also like you can have all those things that people want right now, but if you don't taste good, no one's going to buy you again and no one's going to try your other flavors. So for us, it's like we have these six flavors and this is our focus right now. We have these six flavors that we're obsessed with, that we believe in, and we want people to try it before we start to expand out in other flavors and other categories. Um, But it was just interesting to see all the trends at Unify, which I'm sure we'll see at Fancy Food as well. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing on that. I think that's very helpful to the listener. Um, well, let's uh, let's let's wrap up. I, I know we've been going for a while. Um, let's uh, you know jump into the quick fire round. I just have four quick questions for you, and then we can okay. we can we can close. Um, what's one tool or resource that you feel has helped you the most in your current uh, career? Honestly data, getting the data from KE Connects. We just launched, we just started working with Crisp where it pulls all of our data from all our stores, all of our distributors, and we can see key insights in real time. Data tells the story. If you're not getting your data and getting the story, like you're missing out on your key takeaways and how to action on the next steps. That's great. Now, what's one book uh, that you could recommend to the audience? I just finished my book club book, even though I missed my book club last night because I was at the Unify show, The Paper Palace. It was so good. I highly recommend it. It's a great airport read when you're flying to all these trade shows. Okay. And uh, what is um, one piece of advice that you you would give your 21-year-old self? Yeah. You know what? Honestly, it's that failure is okay. You know, I was at a Vanderbilt accelerator today. Um, where these uh, 50 students presented their case studies about daily crunch. And this one girl just kind of froze up there. I think she was maybe 19. She just kind of got so scared to present and she just started crying. And I I wanted to tell her like, it's okay. Like this is all part of the journey. It's okay to fail at things. If you don't fail, you can't move forward. If you don't fail, you can't succeed. And it's okay. Just move on and know like, I know it's okay. Yeah. If you don't fail, you're probably not trying hard enough. I yeah. That's yeah. great. Great yeah. tagline. What is, uh, what is one person in your field of work that you would uh, love to take to, lo- to take to work? Or sorry, take to lunch, not take to work. <laughs> Somebody yeah. that you'd love to take to lunch. Um, well, I someone who I've always wanted to speak to and I would still want to take to lunch is... Um, the founder of Olipop. I've been following their story forever. And I actually just had a a call with him a few weeks ago about something separate, um, about, about, um, something we're doing. And, um, I I just love their story and, and, and their growth and like what they've done and just like listening to, um, what they've done, you know, over the past few years to get where they are now. Um, I just ordered their new flavor that my kids, devoured already the, their banana cream but yeah I t- i'd love to take them to lunch and i think um that would be great okay that's cool. and david 
what um you know just as we wrap up here you know obviously laurel um you know anybody listening to this can hear your passion and your authenticity um your empathy you know for for other founders and, and people trying to do something something difficult and bring something to life you know what what advice would you give to somebody who's in the grind right now you know trying to trying to do this you know what would you say to them yeah i think you know, it's so important that like, you don't just listen to friends and family and what their opinions are. You really need to go out there and listen to what your key consumers are saying about your brand um, to really get those insights to find out, you know, is your brand something that has legs? Everyone's going to have opinions. Everyone's going to have something to say. And you really need to focus on, you know, who you think you are as a brand and who you think your target is and talk to them to get those key takeaways and not just friends and family. Okay. That's great. Yeah. And that's a good point to, to end on. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time today. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Ken, it was so enjoyable. I feel like the time flew by. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And good luck at the show. It sounds awesome. Thank you. Thank you. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for Physical Product Movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening. Hey everyone, my name is Taylor Howe and I'm the marketing manager here at Fiddle. I want to jump on real quick to tell you about an incredible free resource that we put together for CPG brands. It's called Fiddle Connect. It's a curated database of over 3,000 co-packers and suppliers. You'll get websites, phone numbers, locations, categories, and more, all in one place. It's a must-have for any CPG brand, especially in the food, beverage, or nutraceutical space. And again, it's 100% free. To get immediate access, just go to fiddle.io forward slash connect. We are constantly updating the database, and we promise you're going to love it. It'll save you time and headaches by helping you get to suppliers and co-packers faster than ever. So again, just go to fiddle.io forward slash connect to get free access today.